with God's people. I want to take a moment first and welcome our Shaw campus. Shaw is joining us online right now. Can we just hear it for Shaw? We love you guys. You know, we just paid off the Shaw note last Sunday. I feel like we should, you know. We love you guys. Um, and our brothers at Stepping Into the Light Shelter are joining us online right now. We love you guys. We're so thankful that you are members of One Family Church. Yeah, let's hear it for our brothers at Stepping Into the Light and everybody joining us online. Great to have you. Um, you never know on Thanksgiving weekend. You, you know, you just never know. Are folks going to come? Are folks out of town? But it is good to be with you all this morning and worshiping with you all. I want to let you know a few things happening in the life of the church. Next Sunday evening is December 4th. Is that right? December 4th is next Sunday. Um, and we are going to host our Next Steps dinner next Sunday. Come on, Next Steps dinner. If you've been hanging around One Family Church and you're thinking, man, I want to be a part of this community, come on out for dinner next Sunday, 5 o'clock at our Shaw campus. Uh, we'll have dinner for everybody, and you'll get to hear all about the church. Our team will be there. All of our staff will be there. And uh, we just want you to come out, have dinner with us, enjoy that time. And then if you want to take the step of joining the family, you'll have an opportunity to do that on uh, next Sunday, December 4th. And then we don't have a slide for this, but two days later, Tuesday, December 6th, we're having a dream team dinner, a dream team dinner um, down at the Shaw campus. If you are on the dream team, we want to have you come out for a Christmas dinner. We've got some fun stuff planned for you. I can't get all into it now, but I'll send you an email uh, this week with all of the details. We can have you register. You can register at onefamilychurch.com slash events. Um, and if you're a member of our dream team, we're going to have you come out for a special dinner. And, um, and I can't get into all we're going to do, but it's going to be really fun. I'll tell you more about it soon. Um, then I want to let you know Christmas Eve, we're going to have an amazing series of services here at the Tivoli. So we're going to do Christmas Eve at the Tivoli. So all campuses, everybody here at the Tivoli on Christmas Eve. We're going to do multiple services throughout the afternoon and evening. Uh, there's going to be candlelight. There's going to be special music. There's going to be all kinds of beautiful stuff. There's going to be live animals out in the front. Um, there'll be refreshments in the lobby. You just don't want to miss Christmas Eve at the Tivoli this year. In fact, just invite, like reach out to two or three of your friends and say, hey, come join me for Christmas Eve at the Tivoli this year. We'll have multiple services. It's going to be absolutely beautiful, and you don't want to miss it. Um, and then there's going to be on Christmas morning. Christmas morning is on a Sunday this year, and so we have something very, very special planned for you. We're not going to hold a regular service on Christmas morning. We have something else planned for you that you're going to hear about in the coming weeks, okay? That's just a little anticipatory information for you. Um, next Sunday, I'm actually launching a series that's going to lead us all the way into Christmas called a light, um, The Light of the World is going to start next Sunday. And um, one thing I would love for you to do today, on your way out, we have a poster for you. Um, and, and each one of you can pick one of these up. Uh, this is a poster that will lead us. It's a calendar. Basically, it's, it's what's called an Advent calendar. Some of you have familiarity with the term Advent and some don't. But Advent basically means waiting. It's the weeks leading up to Christmas where we are waiting. We are anticipating uh, the, 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 the Christ child, just like um, the early Jews were anticipating the Messiah. So we participate in that in the, in the weeks leading up to Christmas. And on this calendar, there is a special act of service or generosity 
that you and your family can do or you and your friends can do every day of the week between now, this Sunday, today, and uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas morning. So today's call to action is call to check on a friend or loved one. So you can all do that today. Um, we're going to do an act of service, an act of generosity, an act of being a light in the world. How many of you know the world needs a light right about now? The, the world needs the church to be the light. And so we're going to be the light of the world uh, for the next several weeks leading up to Christmas as we're exploring what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world in us. Um, so don't miss any of that. Uh, I'm excited to give you more details as, uh, as the weeks proceed. Um, but this morning, we have a very, very special, uh, uh, a special treat for you. Um, we have a guest speaker who's going to come and preach today. Many of you heard him preach, when was that, back in July. Um, he came and preached in July. Uh, Pastor Jeff Wheeler is, um, is an amazing man of God. He's an incredible communicator. He is a prayer warrior. I first learned about him through his daughter, Shannon Durio, who is a member of One Family Church. And I went on his, I went on your Facebook page the very first time. And he was leading prayers, I think it was every day during COVID, leading prayers, uh, just faithful. And he just has a passion and enthusiasm for not only the word of God, but also for bringing it to the people of God in a way that is clear and a way that is culturally relevant. Um, his wife, Shirlene, is here with him today. They've been married 36 years. 21 years, correction. 41 years. I mean, come on. Um, man, I'm like, wait a second. Uh, um, that's, that's impossible, okay, actually. So 41 years you guys have been married. Um, they are just a, a, a passionate, God-fearing family of God from um, South Dakota, and uh, he pastors a, an amazing church up there called Central Church. Um, and he's going to bring the word of God for us today. And I'm excited to have him here. Would you put your hands together at Shaw and U City and welcome Pastor Jeff Wheeler. Amen. Good morning, One Family Church. It is so good to be with, here with you this morning. And as Pastor Brent said, my initial connection with one family was my daughter, Shannon Durio, who normally attends the Shaw campus and serves over there. But since then, I've gotten acquainted with Pastor Brent and Rebecca. And do you guys know that he's the real deal? Do you, I mean, in, does anybody know that? That you have an amazing, God-gifted pastor who loves you. Uh, I mean, he loves you with everything in him. His wife, Rebecca, loves you. They, they serve tenaciously here in the St. Louis area. Um, he's an incredible communicator of God's truth. Uh, he, he's in it for the long haul. He's not in it for himself. Uh, you, you know how the, the law of God is summarized in, you know, love God, love people. That's all he does. He just loves God and he loves people. And he, he wants your lives to get better. He wants your lives to be transformed. And then he wants the, the, the region uh, that this church impacts to be transformed for Christ. So that's on you, amen? That, that's, that's his teaching and equipping you to do the work of ministry, to bring the kingdom of God into the realm and space in which you live. That's God's plan. And so uh, Shaw Campus, I, I am so excited to be here today. And I have to give a shout out to Pastor Barry and Brooke, alums of USC. Fight on, big win last night against Notre Dame. Come on, somebody. We're going to go to the playoffs. It's all good. Amen, amen, amen. 
I'm going to share just for a few minutes this morning from the greatest sermon ever preached, Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. We're going to look in a few verses in Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus called the disciples, he didn't say, he didn't say come and, and get a free pass to heaven. He, he didn't say, come and enter my kingdom and live the way you've always been living. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, come, follow me. He said, come, be like me. Come, live life at a level that's above what's humanly possible. He said, I'm calling you to an extraordinary life, not the life you've always lived. If you want the life you've always lived, following Jesus isn't for you. If you want to live above what is humanly possible, if you want to live the life you've always wanted but never had the courage to pursue, then following Jesus is for you because he calls you to another level, a higher level. And the title of my message this morning is Living Above Justice. Living Above Justice. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I simply ask that your word would be made known to us in power and in clarity, that, that Lord, your word would transform our lives, that you would make known to us your plan, uh, your will, your purpose for us, God, that we could understand it and embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Selfishness is the language of superiority. All right, what does that mean? Uh, when we act selfishly, we communicate something to the people around us. We communicate to them when we live in selfishness that we believe we are more important than them. And, and we, we communicate the language of superiority all the time without even realizing it. So you're, at, you're in the grocery store, you're in, in the check stand line, and it's kind of a long line, and you've been waiting, and all of a sudden, the check stand next to yours opens up. And instead of tapping the person in front of you and, and saying, hey, that, that, that check stand open up if you want to go over there, you don't even ask. You make a beeline with your cart for that open check stand. And, and Lord have mercy on anyone in your path because you're running kids over, you're pushing old people out of the way to get there. And, and what you just said to everybody in front of you is, um, I, I know you've been waiting here longer than me, but my time's more important than yours. I'm kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know it, but I'm sort of a big deal and you're not. So I deserve to go in front of you. That's the language of superiority. Hey, kids, today, when you, when you complain about what's for dinner, that's the language of superiority. Because you're saying you needed to check with me because what I want for dinner is more important than what everybody else wants for dinner. My opinion really matters more than yours. That's the, that's the language of superiority in our lives. Hey guys, you could, be, you could be sitting in your house watching the game on TV and your wife comes out of the bedroom in a new outfit and, and she says to you, hey hon, what do you think? If the first thing out of your mouth is, well how much did that cost? Come on. That's the language of, if instead of, of saying, wow babe, you look pretty hot in that, right? You say, well how much did that cost? That, that's the language of superiority because you just told her that my budget, which I so carefully put together and have enforced with rigidity, my budget is more important than y'all feelings right now. That, that's what you just said. So ladies, in, in an effort to keep your husbands from speaking the language of superiority, I just gave you permission to go get a new outfit. Come on. All right? 
Okay, so you say, okay, Jeff, I'm, I, I'm not going to treat others as though I'm more important. I'm going to treat them as though we're equal. I, I'm going to treat them as though they are of equal value to me. And that sounds really noble. Good for you. Until Jesus comes along. And Jesus says, that's not good enough. I want you to treat them as though they have more value than you. I want you to treat them as though they're better than you. Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 38 to 42 together. Let's read that. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said. Now, Jesus is making a comparison between the law, the, the oral interpretation of the law by the rabbis, and what he says is the spirit of the law. So as you go through Matthew chapter 5, he's constantly comparing kind of the letter of the law or the rabbi's interpretation of the letter of the law with the, the spirit of the law, the reason the law was actually given. So he says, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, as Jesus brings clarity to it, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Lex talionis, that's the Latin phrase that means the law of retribution or the law of justice. It was created to make sure that the, the punishment fit the crime. It, it wasn't instituted so that people would, would pursue personal retaliation. What it did was it created a legal system that guaranteed equal punishment for the crime. It guaranteed justice. Now, in Jesus' day, there was very little physical retaliation. You, you, you punch me in the mouth and knock three of my teeth out, I'm going to punch you in the mouth and knock three of your teeth out. That, there was very little physical retaliation in Jesus' day. Instead, there was kind of more what we have in our day, uh, financial remuneration, a settlement of some kind. So you, you did this to me, it caused this much damage, so the court would decide how much you have to pay in order to make up for that. So like in our day, there's a, a settlement, some type of financial settlement. So the, the letter of the law is justice. I give you what you deserve. The spirit of the law, Jesus says, is grace. I give you what you don't deserve. The letter of the law is justice. I give you what you deserve. The spirit of the law is grace. I give you what you don't deserve. So in this text we just read, Jesus then gives three examples of the spirit of the law. Now, right up front, i got to say this. These are principles. These are not laws. These are principles that you and I have to apply under the leadership of the Holy Spirit anytime we, we suffer injustice, anytime we're not treated fairly. We, we have to take these principles and say, Holy Spirit, how do I apply this principle in my life? Again, the letter of the law is justice. The spirit of the law is, is grace. So, so what do I need to do to treat people with grace, that's the question this morning. How do I treat people with grace? You've got to overcome three things according to this text if you want to treat people with grace. And the first is this. You've got to overcome insults. You've got to overcome insults. Let's read verses 38 
and 39 again. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I say to you, don't show opposition against an evil person, that's justice, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to him also, that's, that's grace. So most people are right-handed. So when Jesus says, if someone slaps you on your right cheek, he's not talking about punching someone in the face. He's talking about a backhanded slap. Right hand, backhand would be on your right cheek, not on your left cheek. So Jesus isn't talking about physical assault. He's talking about public humiliation. He's talking about you being insulted. He's talking about you being offended. He's talking about you being demeaned by somebody. He's talking about you being publicly dishonored in some way. And so the, the, the letter of the law is, you insult me, I insult you. Letter of the law is you disrespect me, I'm going to disrespect you. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, do you know what he's saying? Don't respond to insult with insult. Don't, if someone dishonors you, if someone humiliates you, if someone embarrasses you, don't, don't respond in that way. That's justice. He says, I've called you to live at a higher level. I've called you to extend grace to that person. And so when we, when we turn the other cheek, do you know what we communicate to that person? We tell them that my value comes from God. It doesn't come from you. You don't give, the, the words that you speak, they, they don't give me value. The way you treat me, that's, that's not my source of value. My, my value comes from God. I, I have value as a follower of Jesus because God loves me. Amen? That's what, I have value because I'm a child of God. That, that's why I have value. I have value because I've been, uh, the scripture says, adopted into God's family. I'm in his family. I have value because of the cross of Jesus Christ. All of my sin was forgiven forever. Amen? That's why I have value. I have value because God chose to put his Holy Spirit inside of me. God lives in me. I am now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what gives me value this morning. What gives me value is I have an eternal inheritance stored up in heaven, unblemished, unstained, and cannot be taken away from me because of Christ. My security eternally is set. That's why I have value this morning. I am loved by the Most High God. I am favored by God. That's what gives me value. Not your words. What you say doesn't give value to my life. God gives me value. So, so you don't give me value, you don't give me meaning, and you can't take it away by the way you treat me. See, God honors me, so you can't dishonor me. God values me, so you can't devalue me. God gives me meaning in life. So you cannot demean me, amen? You can't do that to me because God is my source of value in life. So, so David said this in Psalm 62, verse 7. He said, my victory and my honor comes from people. Is that what he said? Is the scripture up there? You're silent. Is the scripture up there? Come on. You got to preach with me this morning. Brent said, you do a pretty good job of that, preaching with him, Adam, come on. David said, my victory and honor comes from God alone, God alone. He goes on and he says, he is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Do you know when David said those words? 
David had been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. That was David's destiny. King Saul got jealous of David, and he drove him out of his kingdom. And for 10 years, King Saul chased David in the wilderness like a, like a um, uh, not a refugee, like a fugitive, thank you, like a fugitive, humiliating David, trying to kill David, trying to take David's honor away, trying to take David's value away, trying to squash his life out. And David said, my, my value doesn't come from how I'm being treated by King Saul. My value comes from God alone. And, and God places me in this place where, where the enemy can't, Saul can't reach me. Saul can't take away what God's given to me. I'm going to be the king. That's my value given to me by God. Saul, no matter what you do, you can't take that away. That has to be our position, is that, is that we have been given value by God. But our problem is we seek value and honor from people, not God. Here's what Jesus said about that. In John 5, 54, he said, How can you believe since you accept glory from one another? You seek glory from each other, but, but you don't seek the glory that comes from the one and only God. Where are you seeking your value today? See, if, if you're seeking it from people and they dishonor you and that hurts you, you're going to try to hurt them back because they've tried to take something from you, but it's God that gives that. Justice says, you dishonor me, I dishonor you. Grace says, God values me, so I'm free to value you. God has given me value, so, so I'm free in Christ to give you value. So, so pastors, <clears throat> sometimes we preach tough stuff, and, and sometimes we get letters, emails from people that weren't too happy with what we preach. That ever happened to you, Brent? Never happened to you. No. <laughs> Okay, so, so we get these emails, and I get them, saying, you know, ripping me up from one side to the other, saying, what are you doing? And so I get that, and, and I have to respond, and so in my mind, I'm saying, what a jerk. But that's not what I type. That, that's not what I write. See, because my value comes from God, not from their, their opinions. So what I type is, thank you so much for taking the time to send that to me. We can always learn from one another. And it's always good to have a fresh set of eyes to see a scripture verse or a perspective. Thanks for sending that, you jerk. And I, didn't, I don't say you jerk at the end of that, but that's what I'm feeling. See, that's what I'm thinking, but I'm free in Christ. I'm, they, they are not my source of value. They are not my source of honor. God is my source of honor. I, re, I re, re, report to God, not, not people. They, their opinions don't, don't, I mean, they can be helpful, but they, they, don't, they don't secure me in a sense of honor and value and worth. That comes from God. So I'm free in Christ not to insult them by their insults, but to, but to bless them and to honor them, even if I don't really agree with what they said. So uh, what must I do to, to, to treat people with grace? I have, to, I have to overcome insults, offenses, in my hurts in my life. The second thing I have to do is I have to overcome fear. I have to overcome fear. Not only overcome insults, but I have to overcome fear. Jesus said this, not me. Matthew 5, 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. So there were basically two garments in Jesus' day. There was an, an, an inner garment, sort of like an undergarment, and then, and then an outer garment. Now, everybody couldn't afford the inner garment, but everybody had this outer garment. Now, the, the outer garment was protected by Jewish law. Let me read a scripture to you in Exodus chapter 22. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, so you're in court, 
you're suing them, and they say, you can have my outer garment, you can, you, which is a value. You can have my cloak. L listen to what the law said. You have to return it by sunset because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else, uh, what else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. So God protected the basic rights of people because he cares for people. He said, even if you give up your outer garment during the day because of you did something wrong or you lost in court, he said, they've got to give it back at night so you're not, so you're not cold. Everyone had a right to their coat, to their outer garment, at least overnight. When Jesus says, give them their coat, you know what he's saying? He's saying, lay down your rights. You got a right to that. Lay it down. There's a fear that accompanies laying down our rights that we won't have enough. What am I going to do at night? If I don't have a coat, I'm going to freeze. How am I going to live if I, if I lay down that right? How, how can I sleep? When we, when we lay down our rights, you know what we tell other people? My provision comes from God. It doesn't come from you. You're not my source. God is my source. Now, remember, I told you at the outset, these are principles, not laws. So, so you take every, every instance and circumstance in your life, and you run it through the grid of grace and this text, and you say, Lord, what do I do here? How, how do, I, do I lay my right down? What does it mean to lay down my rights? Now, this doesn't mean that in every situation you never go to court, you never take legal action. That's not what Jesus is saying. I don't believe. I'm saying there are times... You lay down your rights. There's time, you, you, you lay, and you say, God, I trust you. I trust you with it. You're my provider. You're my source of provision. I'm not, I'm not afraid of losing my coat because I know God will provide. I can lay down my rights because God is the one who meets all of my needs. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen? Yeah. My God will supply all your needs. So I, I have confidence that God is my provider. So a number of years ago, my wife and I, uh, when we were first married, 41 years ago, um, not 21. Uh, that was a comp. Thank you for saying that, though. Yeah. Um, we, we rented my parents' house, the house I grew up in. And I was out in the garage one day working, and, and up on the shelves I found, I found a couple boxes of baseball cards that I had collected when I was little. And I started pulling those out. And how many of you know they're, they're valuable now? So I'm looking through those. And, and there was a, a particular year, 1970, that I had almost a complete set, almost a full set of Topps baseball cards. So we, 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 we put them in order, and then my wife and I started going to baseball card shows, and we started buying the cards that we didn't have. Now, this particular set has all kinds of Hall of, Hall of Famers, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Harmon Killebrew, all these, Nolan Ryan, all these Hall of Fame guys, and it was a valuable set. So we're in my parents' house, and my parents' house had a back room uh, that we could rent out to help because we were, didn't have a lot of money, just newly married, that we could rent out to somebody to supplement our, our rent payment. And so we rented to this guy, and, and he collected baseball cards too. Isn't that cool? So we talk about our collections and stuff, and little did I know that while we were gone, he'd be sneaking into my house and stealing my cards. Now, I not only had that set, but I had a bunch of other sets that were worth some money too. And he went in, and he pulled every star card, every valuable card out of there, and, and took it for himself. And so I, I, was, I was looking at my cards one day, and I was looking for one. I couldn't find it. And I started going through. I saw every card was gone. And, and I put two and two together. He's the only one that could, would have stolen just those cards. You know, how, normal thieves would have come in and taken everything because they wouldn't have known, right? So I, I knew it was him. So I confronted him. And I said, hey, I, wh wh why? He goes, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Finally, he confessed that he did it. 
I said, you're, you're, he said, I'll pay everyone back. I said, that's right, you will. With every last drop of your blood, you'll pay every single card back. So I drew up a contract, a legal contract, with every card that he had taken and the, the va current value of that card. It was a legal document. I signed it, he signed it, and my wife signed it as a witness. It was a, it was a legal document. And so he's paying everything back. That little scoundrel breaking into my house and stealing my cards, right? No lie. About a week later, I'm reading the scriptures, Luke chapter 6. Come on. You know what's coming, don't you? Jesus said, if anyone takes anything from you, don't demand it back. I said, no, nah, Lord, that ain't for me. I did. I said, no, no, no. Uh-uh. That don't apply. That don't apply here. Baseball cards weren't even invented when Jesus said those words. Right? Come on. He hadn't even made them yet. He wasn't talking about baseball cards. He was talking about other stuff. You steal your mom's jewelry or something, then, you know, don't demand it back. But not, not baseball cards. And I was so convicted. I said, yes, Lord. I, okay. And my wife, she was furious. She, she wanted to beat him over the head and take all the cards back. And uh, she hadn't got the grace message yet. She was still walking in justice at that point in life. But she... <laughs> so... I, I went to him, and, and, I said, and, and I just said, uh, the Lord said, I, I'm just supposed to, you know, let you go. And he, he, he just wants you to experience grace. And he wasn't a Christian. I, ne I never saw him again. I don't know what impact that grace had on his life. But for, for me, the Lord said, just don't, lay down your right. You have a right to that. But lay it down and live above the level of justice. Live, live at the level of grace. A couple years ago, someone had heard the story in church. Someone came up to me in church, handed me a full 1970 set. Come on, somebody. Come on. I trust the Lord to provide. I, and someone just, just said, the Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to, to give this to you. So, see, when we, when we uh, give our coat away, we tell them, my provision comes from God. I trust God's going to provide for my needs. You're not my provider in life. The third thing we have to do to treat people with grace is we have to overcome resentment. So we've got to overcome insults, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. We've got to, we got to overcome, or, or, uh, overcome fear by laying down our rights, giving up our coat. And, and then Jesus says you've got to overcome resentment. Verse 51, uh, 41, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now what's happening here? Roman soldiers had the authority in, in the Roman Empire, that Jews uh, included. They could, they could demand that, that any citizen could help them with any manual labor they were responsible for. So, so if they had a job to do, they could just pull people off the street. didn't matter what they were doing. They could pull them out of businesses or whatever and force them to do what they needed done. Uh, they could also force them to carry their pack, but only up to one mile. Now, their packs could have weighed up to 80 pounds. So the best example we have of, of that law is when a guy named Simon from Cyrene, the Roman soldiers forced him to carry the cross of Jesus up to Calvary. Uh, they said, you, you, right there. They pulled him. He, was, he wasn't even wanting to be there. And they said, no, stop right now. Give us however long, an hour, two hours of your time to carry this cross up the hill. They had the authority to do that. This was, was humiliating to the Jews. When the Roman soldiers would, would demand that a Jew do something like this, it, it, it brought them down to the lowest level of society and made them slaves. And these Jews were, were affluent. They, they, they were prosperous. They, they, they were business people. And so now to publicly be humiliated in that way, to be made to look like a slave, bore deep resentment in the heart of the Jew for the Roman soldier. So they're, they're trying to deal with that. This, this imposition of labor caused deep 
resentment. So the Romans now were the Jews' enemy. enemy. Jesus said, if your enemy demands you carry their pack one mile, take it two. Justice, the law, they can make you carry it a mile. They can't make you carry it two miles. But we're going to live above the realm of justice, amen? We're going to live in the realm of grace. And so we're going we're to carry that pack an extra mile. Justice, give them what they deserve. Grace, give them what they don't deserve. Do you know what we tell that person when we, when we extend grace to someone that, that is our enemy? We, here's what we say. My joy comes from God. You're not my source of joy. How you treat me doesn't determine wh- whether I'm joyful or not. My, my joy comes from God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, someone. The, the joy of the Lord is my strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. There's no scripture you'll find that says, how people treat me is my joy. You'll never find it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Twice in, in Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul says, in case you didn't hear the first, again, I say rejoice. Paul was in prison when he wrote that, not in good circumstances, not being treated well. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So our joy comes from God. I love what uh, uh, Donald Hagner in in his uh, commentary on Matthew says. He says, it's the unworthy. Do we have this up there? There we go, perfect. It's the unworthy who have experienced, the unworthy is us, amen? Worthy, unworthy. It's the unworthy who have experienced the good things of the kingdom of God. Raise your hand if you've experienced something good of God's kingdom in your life sometime, amen. And as they have experienced, I love this phrase, the surprise of unexpected grace and undeserved grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't expect it. So they, we, act in a similar manner toward the undeserving among us. Because we've been the recipients of of unexpected and undeserved grace, we are free now to extend it to other people. Because our joy doesn't come from people and how they treat us. Our joy doesn't come from what people say about us. Our joy comes from the Lord. So the question this morning is, who do you resent? Like honestly, right now in your heart, who's humiliated you? Who's embarrassed you? Who's treated you with contempt? Who is there anger toward, resentment toward in your heart? Who doesn't deserve grace? That's the question. See, the extra mile principle isn't for those that we love. It's for those we resent. Jesus didn't say, go the extra mile for people that are good to you. He didn't say, carry the pack two miles for someone that loves you. He said, carry it for the people that you resent. Carry the pack twice, two miles for your enemy. Powerful lesson here of Jesus. I will never find joy in retaliation. Ultimately, I won't find joy in in, injustice. That might be momentary, but my joy comes from God when I overcome resentment, amen? And I extend grace. That's when joy comes. Here's what I think happens. I've noticed it in my own life. So, I resent someone, they humiliate me, and that first mile of carrying the pack, I'm just seething with resentment. I can't stand them. And I carry that pack. And in that pack is not only their gear, but my resentment. 
I'm carrying this heavy pack of resentment. And if I go one mile, that resentment's still there. But here's what I found. When I go the second mile, when I extend grace, it's during that second mile the Lord begins to talk to me. It's in that second mile the Lord begins to remind me of the unexpected grace in my life. It's in that, it's in that second mile. When I go the second mile, the Lord begins to remind me that my joy comes from Him. He begins to remind me that He's my source. And, and He, in that second mile, that's when I'm able to shed the pack of resentment in my life. But a lot of people don't go past mile one. And they carry that resentment forever. And he says, you start going the second mile. You start extending grace. When you start extending grace, that resentment's going to begin to fade away. And joy, that, that's when the Lord can fill your heart with joy when you shed the pack of resentment in your life. If you're in bondage today to the opinions of people, caring and putting more weight on what people say about you than what God says. If you're in bondage today to fear or resentment, the Lord wants to set you free. That's the good. That, that's the, the higher calling. He, he didn't say, come and get a free ticket to heaven. He said, come and be different. Come follow me. Come live at a higher level. Come and be free. That's what Jesus said. You want to be free from those things, the fear of people? You want to be free from fear? Fear of not having enough? You want to be free from resentment? Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Jesus says, lay down your rights. Jesus says, give up your coat. And Jesus says, carry the pack mile two. And watch what I do in your heart. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for this truth and help us, help us to apply. And Lord, the person that's sitting here today and, and that they're carrying that pack of resentment right now. Someone's mistreated them, someone's hurt them, someone's offended them, someone's insulted them. And Lord, you said the path to freedom is not justice. The path to freedom is grace. The path to freedom is not holding on. The, the path is letting go. The, the path is, is not trusting ourselves. The path is trusting you. And so, Lord, today we declare by faith over our own stories, over our own life, that you are our, our source of value today, that you are our source of provision today, that you are our source of joy today. Help that to be real in our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, everybody said? It's going to be a good day today, a free day today as you follow the Lord's teaching.